0: The
1: a few minutes ago, in Brussels, the United Kingdom's permanent representative
2: to the EU handed a letter to the President of the European Council on my behalf, confirming the government's decision to invoke Article 50 of the Treaty on
1: European Union.: The government's embarking on negotiations, that can lead to one of two things either uh, a bad deal or no deal. If you believe in delivering on the referendum results by leaving the EU with a deal, then it's necessary to back the withdrawal agreement. If we do not do that, then there are no guarantees about where this process will end.
0: I don't know about you, but I'm getting pretty sick of hearing about Brexit. Don't get me wrong, it's incredibly important, and I don't mean to downplay this pivotal moment that we're in, but I would really, really like a break from this never-ending news cycle.
1: Actually, um, I joined The Guardian a year ago to cover media, and despite my best efforts to get away from it, I seem to find that almost every media story also has some link back to Brexit.
0: I've actually stopped paying as much attention to the news these days, but there are really important news stories that are slipping past me, and maybe others, as they get lost in Brexit's shadow. I'm Jordan Erica Webber, and this week we're going to bring you up to speed on just some of the recent internet law changes you may have missed because we're all so utterly preoccupied with Brexit. This is Chips With Everything. So you seem to spend a lot of time tweeting about Brexit. <laughs> Far too much. <laughs> Do you think that you've missed any important news because you've been watching what's happening in Parliament?
2: Oh, God, I probably have. I I want to say that, no, no, you know, as a, as a professional...
0: General. Luckily for Alex Hearn, the Guardian's UK tech editor, we follow the news that he produces. And last week, he wrote a seemingly unremarkable piece about some changes to copyright law that were approved by the European Parliament. It may have passed you by... But this vote will have significant consequences for many internet users.
2: So what we have is probably the biggest piece of legislation to affect the internet since GDPR last year. The the General Data Protection Regulation, the most important piece of legislation that people's ears, eyes and brains shut off at when they hear really ever. It's very important and very, very boring.
0: OK, you say that, but GDPR I heard about constantly. This I have not heard about at all.
2: And so this is the difference. GDPR affects every business doing anything with data. The European Copyright Directive only really affects businesses, companies, that do something with user-generated content on the internet. The thing is that for most users of the internet, those companies represent the vast majority of websites that you go to. And the legislation that was passed from the EU Parliament was the European Copyright Directive, a massive overhaul in how copyright laws are applied across uh, the European Union. But it also contained two specific provisions which were widely seen as difficult to comply with, to outright dangerous for the existence of a free and open web, depending on who you spoke to. They, they were popularly known as Article 11 and Article 13, although in a wonderful piece of European legislative uh, baffling decisions, by the time it was passed, they were actually Article 15 and Article 17. To dial it back, Article 11 is a clause that calls on internet platforms, essentially, to pay or share some of their revenue with publishers whose content they excerpt the idea is that they should be able to demand a license fee for the the excerpts of their content which are posted on other sites
0: so obviously we've talked on this podcast before a lot about things like how journalism is affected by the internet and kind of how facebook is ruining journalism basically (laughs) because everyone goes there for their news (laughs) so it sounds like this could be good for journalists like me and you
2: that's that's the intention, right? But I think the problem with it is that, in practice, it's an attempt to use the blunt hammer of legislation to solve what's actually a very tricky negotiation between platforms like Facebook and Google and publishers. Because the problem is, we've already seen on a national level attempts to pass this sort of legislation. Most notoriously, Spain uh, effectively passed a thing that said pretty explicitly, Google News needs to pay publishers. And the problem is you can pass that legislation, but what you can't do is pass legislation that says Google News needs to exist. And so in Spain, Google responded by pulling Google News. It it is still blocked. And the problem is that that's something they can do because Google News isn't a huge part of Google's business. Mm. But if you're a publisher, it actually is quite a large part of your business. Google for what it's worth before this passed spent a long time suggesting that it still wouldn't be paying the fee it would just dial back the amount of content it used so for instance it wouldn't have any images on google news it wouldn't have any preview text on google news you would just get headline publication and that would be that which is quite a good threat for publishers because what that means is clicking on a news story becomes less appealing than clicking on the Wikipedia entry immediately below the news story, which means that publishers lose traffic, which means they lose money, which means the whole thing becomes rather self-defeating.
0: Okay, so that's Article 11 slash 15. But large platforms like YouTube will be more interested in and more bothered by Article 13 slash 17.
2: 13 is an attempt to shift the liability of copyright infringement onto large platforms. Uh, The status quo in Europe and in America and in most of the world that has strong copyright uh, laws online is something that's called notice and takedown. Basically, if you have user-generated content on your website, you are not legally required to check it before it goes up because we kind of understand that that would be infeasible. Instead, you're allowed to host user-generated content without taking the uh, downsides of copyright infringement on yourself, unless you're notified. That's roughly the regime that allowed sites like YouTube, Flickr, Facebook, and Twitter to exist. It meant that they could grow quite rapidly without requiring a huge horde of moderators to vet every piece of content put on their site. What Article 13 does is it says, if you're a very large company, you have a bit more of a responsibility than just waiting to be told. You have to take reasonable efforts to effectively proactively take down obvious infringement. The problems are broadly twofold. One is that it's still very, very hard. Right. It's really hard to, you know, even for music, which... We have quite a lot of uh, research and experience in fingerprinting songs and identifying them. That's still hard. Things slip through. You end up with, even on YouTube, fantastic errors like songs with no sound being held as copyright infringement for John Cage's 4 minutes 33 seconds, (laughs) a song which is a recording of a man sitting at a piano playing nothing for 4 minutes 33 seconds it, right. it, that, that 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 has happened right that is a thing if youtube wanted to have uh someone watch just watch every single thing that got uploaded as it was uploaded they would need 300,000 people working 8-hour shifts constantly with mm-hmm. no no breaks for holidays no breaks for bank holidays no breaks for um Weekends, just three eight-hour shifts of 100,000 people each working until they died.
0: So it needs to be automated, but it's too expensive to automate.
2: This This is the general fear, yeah.
0: So the MEPs voted and the laws were changed. That should be the whole story, but it's not quite. Less than 24 hours after Alex published his first article about it, this seemingly unremarkable story about politicians voting on copyright law provided us with an unexpected twist.
2: The vote passed moderately close, but a thing that really was very close was a a preliminary vote on whether or not to allow amendments to the law. MEPs agreed that they wouldn't bother with amendments, they would just go straight to the yes-no vote. After that happened, a few hours after, the uh, official record of votes came through and one of the things that the European Parliament allows is for MEPs to record on the official record whether or not they made a mistake. It doesn't change the final outcome but they can alter where they uh, where their vote is recorded. Enough MPs did that in this instance that the outcome of that vote on whether or not to allow amendments would have been different. 10 said they voted against when they meant to vote for, uh, 2 said they voted for when they meant to vote against and 1 said they abstained when they meant to vote. It's not certain that if the vote on amendments had gone through that The amendments that were being proposed, one of which was to remove Articles 15 and 17, which were once Articles 11 and 13. (laughs) It's not clear whether that vote would itself have gone through, but that's not the sort of thing that you really want to happen by chance.
0: No, so accidentally 13 MEPs voted the wrong way. And if they had managed to vote the right way, then we would have been allowed amendments and a whole load of different things could have happened. Yes,
2: if if 13 people had pushed the buttons they meant to push, <laughs> we may have a very different European copyright directive.
0: Just to be clear, internet users shouldn't expect any
2: radical changes anytime soon. The law has to go through some final wrapping up stuff within the EU. That will be finished by late May, early June, at which point it kind of comes into effect. As a directive, that means that it then has to be implemented by EU member states in national law, as opposed to a regulation like GDPR, which just immediately becomes national law. That has a two-year time limit. So EU member states will have until May or June 2021 to pass their own legislation, which applies and complies with the European Copyright Directive. Something... That happens before May or June 2021. I
0: mean, theoretically.
2: Theoretically, maybe. I mean, who knows?
0: I was going to say something else that had a two-year limit, which has somehow managed to take longer.
2: Um, Is Brexit. Uh And so under current plans, Britain will leave the EU on April 12th. That is obviously before even the May-June limit. And it's certainly before the 2021 limit. Uh, If Britain does leave the EU, there will be no requirement for Britain as a third party to put this law into national law. One... We probably would anyway, because uh, certainly in the immediate aftermath of pushing for this law, uh, it's easy to remain in harmony with European copyright law. Mm -hmm. And also because British MEPs were pushing for this law, the Conservative Party backed it. And also because even if we don't put it into domestic law, any British company that wants to deal with copyrighted material and have European users will have to follow this law anyway. So we may as well put an English implementation of it into English law if we don't want to be, you know, taking European law and having it be applied anyway by unelected judges. Oh, God.
0: Um, It's just going to be so much more complicated (laughs) just writing our own versions of European laws. Or alternatively, just having a domestic British internet where you can only access British websites. Ah, BritNet. (laughs) After the break, we move on to impending legislation that, like Brexit has needed a couple of extensions to iron out some of the difficulties before the UK government unleashes it on the public.
1: The main one, aside from the technical issues and the the difficulties in actually just implementing it and whether or not it's something that we want to do, is the idea of someone somewhere having data on who is watching porn and the potential for that then in some way to have a real ID linked to uh, people's uh, sexual fetishes, Or particularly sexual orientation.
0: Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
2: The Voice Lab from The Guardian. Hey, do you ever want a quick catch up on the news headlines first thing in the morning while you're making breakfast or getting dressed? Well, If you have a Google Assistant or Google Home, we can help with that. The Guardian Briefing is an experiment from The Voice Lab, which in under two minutes brings you up to speed with what you need to know about the day's top stories. We'll make sure you don't miss a thing. To listen at any time, just say, hey Google, speak to The Guardian Briefing.
0: Welcome back to Chips With Everything. I'm Jordan Erica Webber. This week, we're fighting our way past all the news about Brexit to where different but still important stories are lying in wait. Jim, this is your first time on the podcast, but you actually sit in the office right beside Chip's regular Alex Hearn, who we spoke to earlier. Did he give you any tips?
1: Uh, no, Alex, I try and avoid taking too many tips from in life. It's, it's the best <laughs> way of getting through the day.
0: Jim Waterson is The Guardian's media editor. So we've brought you in to talk about a set of laws that the government wants to implement to tackle online content that's harmful to children. Specifically, there's a pretty contentious one that affects how people of all ages will be able to access porn. So can you give us a brief summary? What rules does the government want to roll out when it comes to porn?
1: So the first thing to know about this is that it's not something they want to do. They've actually already passed the laws and they've spent the last couple of years trying to work out how to put them into practice. So this has been coming for a very, very long time. But because of a slight prudishness uh, among both journalists and the general public about talking about porn, there's been almost no discussion of it when this could have actually been changed in Parliament. And an awful lot of discussion about a week out from the planned implementation date when everyone suddenly realised what was happening. <laughs> so what the broad overview of the legislation is that at the moment, there's no real effective age check on watching legal Uh, pornography in the UK, the sort of material that previously you'd have to be over 18 and go to a a newsagent or some grubby backstreet shop to buy. Um, And the change will be that all sites which predominantly uh, host porn or serve porn will have to prove in some way that they are restricting under 18s from viewing it.
0: So this is interesting because um, I do a lot of video game stuff and when you want to look at a trailer for a game that's over 18, there is an age check theoretically, but all you have to do is put in your date of birth. Is that the kind of thing they're talking about?
1: No, it's got to be a bit more substantial than that. So the way it will work is that uh, a site will have to prove they're taking suitable measures to make sure they're blocking under 18s. But the sites have been left largely up to their own devices to work out what that means. So everyone has been coming up with their own age verification tools with wildly different ways of doing it. And they range from a system that would see you pop down to your local newsagent and essentially buy a porn pass, go to the man behind the counter and go, hello, here's £10. Uh, Yes, you can check my ID. I want to go home and watch some smut. Um, (laughs) Or uh, you'll be able to upload credit card details or passports or driving licenses to one of these new... Uh, third-party verification services, who will then in some way tell the porn site, yes, you are uh, allowed to view this content.
0: Apparently, there is strong demand for online pornography in this country. In 2018, the porn site Pornhub said that the UK's appetite for their content is second only to the US. So commentators are curious as to how the government hopes to control this consumption, and how this attempted age block will work?
1: Well, it's going to be a challenge, and there is there is a broad thing. You know, we're talking about this in terms of technical ability. Uh, this is a policy that, while most of the public aren't really aware of it, when you do poll them, they tend to agree with it. There are a lot of concerns about what porn is doing to uh, young people's sort of attitudes towards sex and how they approach relationships, and so there is a lot of. You know, there's a lot of support in the principle of stopping teenagers looking at this stuff. The issue is whether or not it's really technically feasible. So under the plans, if you run a site, you will have to show that you're taking measures through a third party to stop under 18s accessing it. And then the BBFC, who are the people who traditionally rate British films and put the 18 certificates at the top, have been given the duty of ensuring that these third party age verification providers are doing their job so essentially the government role is to check on the age id people who then feed into the porn sites
0: so there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen when were the plans for this kind of porn block first announced you said it'd been a couple of years
1: yeah i mean the the genesis of it was in a speech that i completely by coincidence was that uh that david cameron gave in 2013 in my old job covering politics <laughs> and at the time i remember rolling my eyes and going this is technically impossible and then that then got fed into the 2015 conservative manifesto but again the policy disappeared without trace it sort of was one of those things that you thought that they'd promised and suddenly it came back and you know it, it's gone through parliament uh, there were a small number of uh, internet freedom types like the Open Rights Group and a couple of campaigners on sexual offences like Miles Jackman, who's a prominent lawyer who deals with these sort of cases who really raised a a stink. But to be honest, it was treated as a bit embarrassing, a bit awkward and a bit of a sideshow. Mm. Uh, So the level of scrutiny that the legislation has got, I mean, at one point there was a debate in the House of Lords, I was looking back through Hansard, where a peer suggested, can't we sort of have a pop-up telling people to have a chat with their partner about what a good relationship is like? Oh but, that, you know, you know that's, the sort of, that's the sort of level of understanding. You have uh, an incredibly technically difficult issue, and ISPs will, in theory, if the BBFC finds that a site isn't stopping under 18s accessing it sufficiently, in theory they could then instruct British ISPs to block that uh, pornography outlet.
0: Internet service providers, for anyone who doesn't know what ISP means, right? Exactly. This law hasn't been implemented just yet, but that hasn't stopped critics from raising some of their concerns with the plans.
1: The main one, aside from the technical issues and the the difficulties in actually just implementing it and whether or not it's something that we want to do, is the idea of someone somewhere having data on who is watching porn and the potential for that then in some way to have a real ID linked to Uh, people's uh, sexual fetishes or particularly sexual orientation. Now, all of the age ID providers are aware of this and are making a big show of insisting that they are not trying to link people's viewing habits to their real life IDs.
0: So one of the biggest ones is, um, so Pornhub's owner MindGeek has announced age ID, right? This huge Mm. company that's supposed to do that. And they've tried to reassure people, but has it worked?
1: Well, it's it's not reassured people because one, the idea that the, the site that needs the data to understand what people's viewing habits are to boost their business also is responsible for verifying the identities and holding in some way the identity of its users um, is, is worrying. They say that they've done external audits, which prove that that won't be possible for them. And it's just technically not an issue for them. Um, but trying to put people's minds at rest is going to be an issue with this and you know what what it'll do for good or bad in terms of people being less willing to view such material on those sites if they have to go through um jump through hoops is is a big issue there's also the broader concern that when <laughs> there's always the sort of saying that the reason that VHS won over Betamax in the 80s was because the porn industry went for it and porn for better or worse, tends to shape how other media uh, then are regulated or used. And this is an enormous large-scale experiment in whether or not you can effectively filter a single nation's internet and regulate it in any manner. And given the pressure we're seeing on other forms of media, given the pressure we're seeing on social networks, this is a pretty good test run for how, if you were a UK government wanting to regulate other parts of the Internet, wanting to censor or in some way restrict other parts of the Internet, Mm. this would be a template for how to do it. So if it works very well, then it would become very tempting further down the line for it to be applied to other areas.
0: So we're doing this episode because we keep hearing that people are missing important news that could affect their day-to-day lives because they're so focused on bigger and seemingly never-ending issues like Brexit. As Jim explains, the impending porn legislation is a prime example of big news flying under the radar.
1: Yeah, this is definitely one which has come in to sort of focus as, as a story where people go, what, that's happening now? Uh, because it just wasn't very well covered. Um, I mean, I've intermittently written about it since in 2015. But it's it's quite hard to get a campaign going. And if it does get going, it, it tends to sort of end up being a, a bit of a joke, basically. Eh? A quirky story rather than something that's actually affecting people's media habits. And one that is uh, particularly intriguing on this is the idea that essentially how we talk about these issues is quite out of step with how people actually act and that British internet users are very, very heavy users of pornography, uh, which comes with all sorts of issues, um, but they don't like talking about it. So it's essentially quite Wild West sort of landscape there.
0: So the block was meant to come into effect on April 1st, right? How come it didn't? Is it because people thought it would be in April Fool's?
1: Well, it was meant to come into effect about a year ago. Oh, okay. And it's been, de- it's been delayed every six months and then another six months. And then for some reason, this time around with it looming, most of, you know, the internet and the media suddenly woke up to it because it suddenly felt real. We still don't have an implementation date. It'll be phased in over several months. Uh, It's highly likely that it is announced in the next week or so alongside the entirely separate Government Online Harms White Paper. Uh, And knowing how government departments like to announce things, they'll probably roll it into one and make it seem like it's all part of a, a fresh new package. But basically, I'd expect this to, for once, finally be implemented by the end of the year, maybe at the end of the summer.
0: So the government has decided to implement a big change, but isn't entirely sure about how to implement it, and people disagree on the best way to go about it, or on whether it should even go ahead at all, and it keeps getting pushed back, the start date extended and extended and extended. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Maybe you're a better consumer of news than I am, and you've managed to follow Brexit and keep up with other news at the same time. But if you want an alternative to the B word, just scroll down to articles by people like Alex and Jim. That's all for this week. Let us know what you think. Send us an email at chipspodcasttheguardian.com. Chips is produced by Danielle Stevens. I'm Jordan Erica Webber. Thanks for listening.